0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more series steadfast. I'm going to give you a head start. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. I don't think that's any surprise, is it? We're going right to 1 Peter as we've been for the last few weeks. This is what I want to do. I have to work out a new way of communicating with you, all right? Because as someone who speaks all the time, you're looking around, you're getting some cues from people in the audience. All I'm seeing is stares right now because everyone's wearing a mask. So it's really hard. So let's do this. Let's agree upon something. If you smile... All right, if you smile, nod your head, all right? If online you're smiling with us, just give a virtual thumbs up, all right? Then we're going to know, hey, everybody's good. They agree with what we're talking about. Of course, how can you not agree with God's word? So, But is that a deal? Can we work that out? Because this is a strange, strange experience. I know it's needed. I know it's temporary. But it is a strange experience. So let's do this. Just practice. Go like you're smiling at me right now. All right, some of you aren't smiling at me right now, but that's all right. I'll, I'll get over that. Uh, look at 1 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter. And just be, before we do that, I want to take a, uh, just a moment, and I want to pray with you that are at home. I want to pray with you here, those that are on the patio. Um, this week has been kind of an intense week for me. I don't know if you felt the same thing. Just really fighting off uh, disappointment, fighting off discouragement, just going through days feeling, feeling discouraged, and, uh, and maybe you've experienced that this week, and maybe you've been experiencing that, what I want to do right now is pray for you. Uh, it was real intense. I was praying for um, a lot of our young families, I was able to meet with some of our young family leaders, talk to them about what they're going through, what are they experiencing, and they, they have a boatload of things they're dealing with, mainly they're called children, And so they're just really trying to maneuver their way through all of this. We need to pray for them. Praying for our young adults as well. Because right now can be a difficult time. If you're a young adult listening to this, what I want to do is to encourage you to stay engaged. And stay engaged with God's Word. And stay engaged with people who can encourage you and help you through difficult times. So we want to make sure we keep doing that. There's numbers you can call here. Uh, there are people that you can be in touch with. We want to make sure our young adults are healthy, healthy, healthy. I've also been praying for our prime timers, just praying God's blessing. I think the thing that I prayed for our prime timers this week more than anything is that they would experience the presence of Jesus Christ. And there would be a, a, just a comfort right now, just a comfort. Uh, I know being grandparents, it's hard to be away from kids. I know that's, that's, that, that's happened for a few of us. It's hard to be away from our kids, our grandkids. Uh, Annette and I, again, had a wonderful Father's Day before Father's Day, and we actually uh, had permission to hug our grandkids. So that was really good. Don't, I love that. And so we want to pray for our prime timers and just pray that God just touches and encourages you and blesses you. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. I know I'm a little bit behind. Uh, some of you probably picked that up already. I'm not going to rush through this, so if you're, not, if, if you're okay with that, uh, I won't rush through it with you. I think there's a whole lot of things, a a treasure trove to unpack when you talk about 1 Peter, and and especially chapter 1. And so what we're studying right now is 1 Peter chapter 1. uh, The message is entitled, or the series is entitled, Steadfast. You know, one of the things I know I'm prone to do, and maybe you experience the same thing, is I'm prone to complicate things. I mean, I'll hear something, and then I'll think of 10 things that I need to do to either uh, not do it, do it, justify it. That just complicates everything. I try to complicate things. Well, I want to tell you this. If you think and believe that the Word of God is complicated, let's do this. Let's commit ourselves to study, because that's what it takes, study to make it simple. Because I know everything that seems complicated, God has a, a simple response to and God wants to simply respond to you today out of his word. And, and, and what he's saying is don't complicate everything. Just listen and take my word. Just take me at my word. And today we want to do that because we know God is working in our lives. I had a, one of a, our young leaders say to me the other day, he goes, yeah, I know you don't complicate too many things. You don't even complicate your prayers. And I said, no, I really don't. I don't, I don't try to do that. And they said they have this, this little phrase at work. They use this at work when something happens, they get in a little trouble or a little jam. They say, let's do a Ron prayer. And if you've been around for a while, you know what a Ron prayer is. It's, oh, God, help me. That's my prayer. And so uh, God doesn't have to have us be complicated, and he certainly doesn't want to complicate things for us. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. His word brings us life. And I need that life today. I I desperately need it. So here's where we've been so far in our study of 1 Peter. Remember that Peter is writing persecuted Christians who once lived in the area of Jerusalem and in the Galilee, in, in what was called Palestine. They were scattered. It was called a diaspora. They were scattered because of the persecution of Nero. So he writes to where they are in Asia Minor. And so he's letting them know that he knows what they're going through. Isn't that comforting when you go through a difficult time that there are people in your life that say, I know what you're going through, I know exactly what you're experiencing, and they walk alongside. So Peter reminds them in those first 12 verses, he says here, remember you've been given new birth in Jesus Christ. Remember that. Hold on to that. That's fundamental. You need to know that. And then he says, now God has given you a living hope. So it isn't just about today or the things you're experiencing now. God has given you a living hope. And by the way, along with that, becomes what comes with that is an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's stored for you, kept for you in heaven. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't rust. It doesn't spoil. And then he says to him: Listen, your suffering, I know your suffering, your suffering is only for a little while. What he's saying is, this too will pass. This too will pass. And let me say this to all of us that have been into this whole thing for quite a while with our pandemic. We continue to pray. But I know a lot of us are thinking, when is this going to be over? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I do know this. I know the word says, and this too will pass. Things might look different on the other side. In fact, they will look different on the other side. But what we know is we have encouragement in God's word. And so today, I want us to look at verses 13 through 25. And I want to talk to you about two things that are connected we, with each other. This is what Peter does. He, he talks to us about how do we walk through the darkness? How do we do that with Jesus? I mean, times are dark. How do we walk through times that are dark with Jesus? And he says, by the way, when you're going through these times, remember how much you mean to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, listen, you're going through a dark time, but remember Jesus loves you. It's kind of simple like that. He just, he just puts it out there. And, and he, he addresses darkness. And when we talk about darkness, I don't think there's anyone listening to this message that loves just to hang out in the dark. In fact, in the Bible, it says that Jesus is the light of the world. And light always represents divinity. It represents Jesus. It represents life. Darkness always represents death. It represents something that's wicked. That's, that's the, 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 the contrast you see in Scripture. Uh, several years ago, one of my sons came to me. It was when we were losing daylight savings time, you know, and it starts to get dark, like, Three o'clock, it feels like. And, and you're just walking around in the dark and, and it's Halloween time. He was about four or five years old and he, he walked up to me and his mom and he said, it's dark outside. And we said, yeah, it is. It's, it's dark outside. Things have changed. And he goes, no, no. He said, it's dark outside. What I realized is this five-year-old was picking up the spiritual vibe of what was going on in our communities. He was just saying, it is dark outside. So he took it upon himself to put a big poster in and put it in our window at Halloween when kids would come and get candy. He put 1 John 1, 5. In him there is no darkness. And then he writes in big letters, at all. He used to love to say that, at all. Say at all. In him there is no darkness at all. So what we look at here when we get to verse 15, or 13 excuse me, in First Peter, there's a shift that takes place now. And you have to notice the shift. And it happens in Scripture. It happens in the cadence of the language spoken. Peter says, now that you know new life, that you have a living hope, that you know suffering is only temporary, this is how you ought to live what you know. So now he's going to talk to us about how to apply what he's talked to us about in the first 12 verses to our own lives. And certainly application right now is walking through the dark. It's understanding that Jesus really loves me and cares for me, especially when we're going through difficult times. We need to know that Jesus is with us in a dark, dark world. And this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 18, And here's the change. Whenever you see the word, therefore, a change, a shift is happening. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. I love that. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, when you read that, immediately you start to think about yourself as not being holy. How many do that? I mean, I do that. I think, who is he talking to here? (laughs) Believe it or not, he's talking to us. And I want to unpack that just a little bit for you so you get an idea of what's happening. Again, notice the first word in verse 13. Therefore. Therefore, an adverb that speaks of consequence. It's a word that says, now, here are the consequences. Now, sometimes we think of consequences as being bad things. He's talking about how we live this out. Now that you know this, this is the consequence. This is what the consequence should look like. Peter says, with what you have heard so far, here is what you should do with it. Therefore, this is how you live with what you know. So wherever you see that word, just stop and pause and ask yourself what has been said before that. So how do we walk in the darkness, the darkness of uncertainty? We're dealing with that today. Uh, Darkness of confusion. um, Darkness that surrounds us. Anxiety, fear. Those are all those things that can make our, our journey dark. Uh, It can seem very bleak at times because we're dealing with this. Peter tells us that it begins in your mind. It begins in your mind. And if you listen to the other authors of the New Testament, they'll say the same thing. They'll talk about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it has everything to do with how you perceive what's in front of you. It's how you perceive your relationship with Jesus Christ. So he talks about the way you think. And then he moves into action and that's our conduct, and then a firm resolve. He talks about having a firm resolve, which is our will. It's making a decision what we're going to do. So first, prepare your mind. That's what he talks about in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert. How many have the New King James Version? Some of you have that. Some of you had that out there uh, wherever you are in your home, around the community. Uh, there's another phrase that's used there. It's called Gird up the loins of your mind. That's that's, that's another way of saying it. That is a beautiful picture of what Peter is wanting to communicate to us. What he's wanting to do is he's wanting to tell us that you have to know that you're in a battle. He's um, uh, uh, He's using battle metaphor here. He's talking about girding up your loins, the loins of your mind. Now, if you can imagine this, what was going on then is all the men wore uh, what we'd call like long robes. But when they were going to battle or they were going to work, really going to go to work, they would actually take those those robes and they would pull pull them up and put them into two, pull them back this way and then tie them up so that they could carry a tool, they could carry a sword, but they were ready to go. Peter is saying, hey, you need to be ready. You need to be ready for battle. You need to be ready to work. That's what he's saying. He's saying cinch it up. Get ready for battle. Uh, some of us may use a phrase today, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to, and you've heard this before, roll up your sleeves. You've heard that? Same thing. Roll up your sleeves. When someone tells you that, you know you're not going to a tea party. Yeah, you, you know You know that there's something in front of you that can be a little tough to manage, tough to go through. Peter's saying that. I remember when I was um, playing ball, you would you know, get into the batter's box and you spit on both hands. I know it's kind of gross. I won't do that here. And you just get ready. What are you doing? You're taking that. You're going to. You're taking that stick, and you're getting ready. And you're focused on everything in front of you. Peter's saying, "Be be focused." Or in another way that we can say this, he says, "Now go on and be fully sober." So he's talking. What he's talking about being fully sober is this. He's talking about thinking clearly. So he's saying, think clearly. Be spiritually and morally decisive. Can you say amen to that? Or a thumbs up, whatever works for you. He's saying, be morally, be spiritually decisive. And the way we do that is because we know the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ is on his word. He's saying, don't be wishy-washy. Don't jump back and forth. Remember the prophet uh, Isaiah, or excuse me, um, uh, yeah, it was Isaiah, was talking about, hey, you guys are going both sides of this. Your Elijah says, hey, you're jumping back and forth. Don't be wishy washy. You need to push through. And then it says here, I love what it says after that, with this in mind, think hopefully. He's saying, you have a reason to think hopefully. It might not be the reasons you think it is. It might be about other things. But when you think hopefully, you're thinking about your new birth and you're thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ because he keeps pointing them to the return of Jesus. He says, this is how you think hopefully. You set your hope on the coming of Jesus Christ. So Peter is telling us that if you're just thinking and hoping in the here and now, you are absolutely in trouble. And I think that's maybe where discouragement comes from. Because what you're seeing with your eyes, what you're hearing with your ears is bringing discouragement or anxiety or, or fear. And what Peter's saying here is your hope in the way you think should not be just in the here and now. Uh, you, you need to set your hope on something. We do that, don't we? And, and this season, a lot of hopes have been dashed. I think about our graduates. There was a hope to graduate. They looked forward to that you know, from day one. And then it becomes a reality and then it's pulled away. Um, There's the hope that you're going to have a wedding. I'm working with people now that are still kind of trying to figure out what that looks like. And that there was a hope and they had something in their mind that they wanted to do, a picture, uh, something they wanted to accomplish. And because it's not happening, uh, there's there's a deepening despair that can set in. And then... Annette and I were talking about this, and please forgive us here for, for being the sports people we are, but we were sitting down, when we heard the MLB year was canceled, I thought, oh, you know where I immediately thought, oh no, can you imagine working most of your life to play at an elite status, and then you don't get to play? And I'm talking about a draftee, someone brand new, an 18-year-old kid comes in, and they say, what? What? I've been waiting for my whole life to do this, and you're telling me I can't do it. Can you imagine the despair that 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 person may feel? So the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. That's what Peter's speaking to. He's saying, hey, put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in his second coming. And next Peter says this, shape your conduct. Now that we're talking about your mind, now you got to deal with your actions, You need to reflect the person of Jesus Christ. Where does he say it? He says it in verse 14. He says, as obedient children. So he's talking about our conduct. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Peter moves from what we think to what we do. So when you talk about conduct, there are two things that you have to determine. When you're talking about your conduct, either you, what are you saying no to and what are you saying yes to? Because your conduct will always reflect that. I mean, your, your words may not, but your conduct will. And so what do Peter says here, he says, hey, say no to who you used to be. You see what he's saying? Say no to who you used to be because it was, it was out of ignorance. You didn't know any better. And now you do. Shall grace abound, so I sin more? God forbid. He said, listen, say no to who you used to be, the old life. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm saying no, and then say yes to the will of the Father. No, notice the, the language he uses here, obedient children. He's referring to us in a, the context of family. So he's saying, hey, you're his child. Through Jesus Christ, through that new birth, you're His child. You are related to Him. So say no, turn your back on the old life and walk in the new life. Do what your Father tells you to do. Be obedient. And then you get to that one phrase, be holy. A pretty heavy word. I would imagine that if I asked you the definition of that, all of us would have a lot of different answers. Can you imagine asking, you know, some of your friends at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or wherever you might go and say, hey, tell, tell me what holy means. You would have a lot of different answers. Most of those answers would be this, not me. That's what most of the answers would be, including in the church, in the body of Christ. But, but Peter's reinforcing something here. He's saying you're related to, you're connected to, by blood, to a holy God, you reflect Him. See, it's simple. The word holy might disappoint you when I give you the, when I give you the definition. It just means unique. The way it's used here is this. It, it means unique. God's uniqueness is His holiness. No one else is like Him. It's His uniqueness that makes Him holy. Our life is to be shaped by God's life because why? We're in the family and there should be a family resemblance. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you need to look, we need to look like our father. We need, we need to be like our father. Our father's holy. So we walk in holiness. Be holy means that you are his offspring. You are unique. The next chapter, we hear the word peculiar. You're a peculiar people. And you really are. You know, I mean, we are very peculiar people. But it's the same kind of idea. He's talking to us about our uniqueness because we've been set aside. We've been purchased. Something else that you do here is you focus your will. See where the word conform is? Um, You conform your will. Now, God wants to get to every aspect of our lives. He doesn't want anything to be left undone. So what he's saying here is everything about you must conform to the will of God. Jesus said, Not my will, but your will be done. Thy will be done. It's conforming my will to God's will. That's how it works. It's a decision. Paul says, I determined not to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's really a good anthem for you today. Because you're trying to find out, we're trying to find out all this other stuff going on. I think Paul would tell us today if he was standing in front of us with everything that's going on, uh, like it was in the church of Corinth, uh, all the politics, all, all the, the, the upheaval, all the things that were, he said, hey, listen, determine not to know anything else among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the way you're going to make it. This is the way you're going to go. But God wants to get into every place in our life and he wants our will to be conformed. Um, I, I, love, I love history, and um, I, I try to study history as much as I can. And Annette knows I study history about every single day. And honestly, it's probably even maybe an hour or two every day. I try to find a portion of history and study it just so I get context. Well, I studied the Civil War. Many of you have done that. We happen to be on the East Coast, and I had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to go to Appomattox, and that's where... Uh, the, the war was actually ended there with Grant and Lee and the signing of an a, a unconditional surrender. It was right there. And I said, oh, man, I want to go there. So we drove a couple hours, got to Appomattox, and they, they show you around, but there are rooms that they rope off. I don't like it when they rope off those rooms because I want to go in and I want to I touch, I want to stand next to, I want to get the feeling, but they say, no, you can't, can't go in that room. I think there's times in our own life that God comes in and we draw these barriers and say, no, you can't come into this room. What what Peter's saying here is every room in our life, every room in our heart needs to be open to him. That's what we need to do. You show the life and the light of Jesus. Your focus and determination will be based on God's word. You always have to have a foundation. And it's, what to come, it's what's going to come. He's saying again, you're going to have a, a life to come in Jesus Christ. Keep your hopes there. Now Peter goes on here, and we need to remember how much, when we're going through dark times, we need to remember how much uh, you mean to Jesus or I mean to Jesus. And that's so beautiful because he says it so well, beginning at verse 18. He says, for you know that it was not by perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Another translation is the aimless way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I love that. A lamb without blemish or defect. And then he goes on and says, He is chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again. Not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the f- flowers that, of the field. The, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Man, I love that. He said, now I want to talk to you about how much you mean to me. God's saying that. How much you mean to Jesus Christ. And then you have to contrast it as to how the world sees you. So, see, this is the trick. This is the, pla- the place we fall prey. We fall prey to uh, modeling and the, the, the way the world sees us and the value the world puts on us. And, and that's where we gain our value from. But that's not what he's saying here. And we put, we put a lot of weight, value on on outward beauty, personal wealth, accomplishments. And we give value and worth to ourselves based on what other people think about us. That's a hard one to break out of, isn't it? I think, I think that's why we spend most of our lives breaking out of that, getting free from it. How does God value us? That's, that's really the, 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 the larger, bigger question is, is how does he, it's a whole different standard. He looks at you in a whole different way, a whole different lens than the world sees you. And in that, I, I hope you feel some freedom there. Verse 18 tells us God has redeemed us. So now he's going to say, this is what you mean to me. You're redeemed. It says so. It says you've been redeemed. In verse 18, it tells us that God has redeemed us. It's our redemption. You were redeemed. Now, the word redeemed means to set free at someone else's expense. Remember that. It's to be set free at someone else's expense. Simply put, you are precious to God. You are worth saving. You are worth being redeemed. And maybe you want to say that out loud. I am worth saving. Say that. I am, I am worth saving. Because it's true. That's not a lie. It's true. God sees you as worth saving, so he sent his son. There's a problem with that in verse 18. It, said, it tells us that we were redeemed from our aimless life. That, that's what he's saying is you don't have direction in life. You are aimless. There's a lot of different words that can be used there, a lot of synonyms that can be used. This, this literally means you were headed or aimed in the wrong direction. And how many can say amen before Jesus Christ? I can I was headed the wrong way. And wherever that is, it's aimless. You think you might have goals. You think you might have a a target to go after but if it if it isn't in jesus christ it's aimless he's saying it's just it's just empty and he says that's our problem and by the way the traditions of your fathers won't save you (laughs) he goes on he wants to make sure that they know that you have to come personally to a relationship with jesus christ That you have to know him. You can't say, well, I was brought up in a family that did or my great-grandmother was or I was brought up in this faith or that faith, thus I'm saved. No, he's saying the traditions of your father. Now, he's not saying that that's a bad thing. What he's saying is if you're using that as your salvation, you're in trouble. He says you're really in trouble. And the reason why is because the price has been paid and that's the next thing for you. That's the next thing Peter speaks about, and that's our price. What is the price tag? What's the price tag on you? Right then I heard an auctioneer going, you know, you know. no, it's invaluable. The price tag, what it cost, and Peter says, it says, with the precious blood of Christ, you were purchased. If redemption means there's a cost attached, what is that cost? And what are you being redeemed from? You're being redeemed from an aimless life. And the price tag to get you redeemed into God's family was the blood of Jesus, God's only son. That is remarkable. You see, you mean so much to Jesus that he gave his lifeblood. I heard one, someone once say, salvation is free but it did not come cheap. It wasn't cheap. And sometimes we'll equate those. And sometimes we can take advantage of that. Just, just our human nature wants to press the edges there. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. But what he's saying here is man, salvation has come to you and it's been a pri- it's had a price tag on it. And then he points you to your future. I love this in verse 20. Your future is connected now... With Jesus Christ because he was the one chosen before the foundations of the earth. So what is the best indicator of future performance? Past performance. So if Jesus was chosen before the foundation of the earth to be the lamb, slain before the foundations of the earth, and you're now there, you get his inheritance, you're, you're in with him, what does it tell you? Because he's done so much in your past, your future is secure. I mean, you think about the investment people have made in you in the past, are making in you now. Do you think that they're going to throw you away in the future? No. You're one of his kids. He put a lot of energy in you. He sent us the Holy Spirit to make sure. Here's the earnest. Here's the down payment. Here's how you know that your mind, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what he says here. It's it's remarkable that I have a future. You were never, listen to me, you were never an afterthought for Jesus Christ. It's not like, oh, well, there was sin in the garden. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do right now? God wasn't surprised over that. You're not an afterthought. Not in the least bit are you an afterthought according to God. God knew you. God's redemption is forever. What he's done for us in the past, what he's doing for us now, and what he will do for us in the future. Here's the last thing, and I want to finish with this. Knowing how much you mean to Jesus, there is a role you play. There's a part you play in this. And what Peter says in verse 21, and he reiterates it through the next four or five verses, what he talks about, he says, hey, you know know what your part is? You know what your role is? Here's what it is. You know, you, you know everything else. You, you know that you were redeemed. You know there was, a price, or a, there was an aimlessness about your life. There was a price given for that, and that you, because your past is secure, your future is secure, what is your part on all that? Well, i got to go work hard. Man, I've got to work my way out of a hole. Or, or Ron, I'll, I'll come to church after I, 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 after I get my act together, you know, after I clean up a little bit. I don't think that's what it says here. You know what it says here? Here's your part. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what it is. What Peter says is, now with all that you know, believe in him. See, and this is where we make it complex. I'm going to end where I began. This is where the complexity of our human mind, this is where we get in trouble. Well, does he really know me? I mean, because if he really knew me, he wouldn't save me. He wouldn't call me holy. He wouldn't do any of that. And you're telling me what I got to do? I got to believe. I got to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter's saying that's precisely what you need. You need to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith that we come to great saving grace. It's through faith that we come to all the promises of God's word. It's through faith. This is the porthole in a relationship with God. It's through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's saying to you, don't get your stinking, confused, complicated mind in this thing. I think through it. I'm a thinker. But he's saying, you're never going to think your way to heaven. You're never going to work your way to heaven. You're never going to pay your way to heaven. The way that you get into a relationship with Jesus Christ is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, do I I still want to work my way there? Now, I'm not talking about hard work. Hard work's important. I think there's work involved. Good Calvinists work hard. But here's what we do. We work hard, but it isn't to get us to heaven. It's to serve Jesus Christ. Again, isn't it about perspective? Tom, am I seeing this? So I want to just say to everyone in this room and those that are listening online that if you think you have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus Christ, then you're missing the point. Here's the point. You come to him and he cleans you up. See, he's not afraid of your dirt. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your brokenness. He's not afraid of any of those things. He comes into you into your life, into your circumstances. And that's how we bring salvation. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? We might have some individuals that are either either in the room or patio or online today, and uh, you really need help. And the Bible says that God is here to help us. And the Bible says that if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. So if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do that today. For those that are online, we have a, a, a link that you can go to, and it talks to you about salvation. And once you come to faith in Jesus Christ, where do you go from there? We just want to encourage you to come into the household of God, to come into a place where God can say, You are my child. You, you are my son. You are my daughter. And amazing things happen. You start to look like your father, when you get into that relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So today, Father, we just ask that you would continue to touch us, that you would continue to keep us. Just thank you for all that you're doing. Bless us. Let your spirit be strong in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.